Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this episode, I am joined by Lynn O'Neill as we talk about finding your voice and about mindfulness. And she really winds those two things together so beautifully. We're talking about those realisations about our lives, about being led by your intentions, about being kind to yourself and about being really present and how your voice and mindfulness can actually help you do all of those things. This was recorded on a very dreary Wednesday morning on Zoom, and I have to say this conversation really lifted me. It's just wonderful, always is, speaking to Lynn. We refer to the fact that she was recently on Ignite, the radio show, so you can catch that on my Mixcloud at show 106, and the details of how to find that are at the end of the podcast. Lynn, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Anne. Nice to be here. Yes. And tell us a bit about you. Well, for the last 30 years, I have been a singer and voice coach. And I've been out in the world performing and teaching at uni and teaching one-to-one. But alongside that, I started to learn mindfulness. And I did that via the Buddhist Centre when I was really young. And that took me on to training as a teacher in mindfulness. And then probably about 12 years ago, I moved from being a sort of full-on performer and teacher of voice to also teaching mindfulness. And I did that in mental health. So I was working with people with mental health issues, anxiety, depression, so, so functional mental health, and running a project around well-being. And all the while, I've had choirs on the go. I've always had one foot in the camp of music. And that, I think, is really attached to my own well-being and has helped me to help others with their well-being. So these two things of mindfulness and voice has been sort of my my career so far and also where I hope to be going in the future with my work. So that's where I'm Great. coming from. And I have to say, having chatted to you for the last 10 minutes or so, I definitely love your voice. I've heard you sing before. You've sat. You've oh. been on um, Ignite the Radio Show Two, Show One Four Five on the Mix Cloud, and I'm looking forward to just what you're going to tell me about all of this voice and mindfulness. And I know I'm going to be delighted in hearing. What do you know for sure, Lynn? So what do I know for sure? I think this is such an interesting question, Anne, and I really love the fact that you've asked me this, being a mindfulness practitioner, because it really has taken me on a little journey of reflection, self-reflection. And I think that what I do know for sure is that my journey of mindfulness and singing has helped me go from being a really shy and self-conscious person to finding my voice and confidence and to being able to go out and perform and teach and work with people who are in difficulty. So that is what I know for sure. And there's a lot that I don't know for sure. And I think also the practice of mindfulness helps us to uh, understand that, you know, everything is this groundlessness. But I think that these things have really helped me. And I'm bringing that together in my master's at the moment. And My background, you know, going back further, my school background involved me moving schools an awful lot. And by the age of 10 or primary six, I'd had six different primary schools through my dad's work. 
And I had travelled between Scotland and England and different parts of Scotland as well. So I was also teased and bullied for my accent and for my voice a lot. Mm -hmm. I was in the wrong I was always in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I think I learned really young that people would judge you around mm -hmm. your voice. And I don't know if I was naturally quite shy anyway, but it certainly didn't help with the shyness and, mm -hmm. and this kind of moving around made me always feel on the outside. But I had this real desire to to use my voice. I was always into music and singing. And in my teenage years, in early adulthood, my dad had a really serious illness. He had open heart surgery. And even just those words are so emotive, open heart surgery, because the heart, you think, was being everything about your being, the most important thing about your being. So that led him on to eventually having a heart transplant when I was in my early 20s, 21, 22. So it was a very dramatic time for the family, really stressful, big, big emotions. And the, the prognosis and, and what, what was coming after that, there was no kind of seeming, oh, well, and then he'll be better. Yeah. You know, so there was this huge feeling of, OK, this is a lifetime thing. So I was really inspired. I was fearful. I was afraid. I went through many, many emotions. But I was also really inspired by his spirit, by his courage, by his bravery, um, by that just I'm just going to keep on going and I had this realization then quite young that life could be fleeting that life could be taken away mm. from you and you you may not get to live it and that was a difficult thing to know I think it was a difficult thing to really kind of have a, a, a strong sort of insight into uh, but I realised then that I really should get on and live it the way that I wanted to. And that made me go from, I was very shy, but I really wanted to sing. Mm -hmm. And so it really made, it pushed me into that, that just do it, just go and do it. And, uh, and that sort of opened up that world to me. But at the same time, I also had this deeper sense of wanting to know about spirituality, of wanting to manage all these difficult thoughts and emotions that I was having to manage this ongoing stress and so I began going to the Buddhist centre when I was about 22 or 3 and finding out how to meditate and just finding a really welcoming group of people I didn't become Buddhist I'm still not Buddhist but I really enjoyed learning about how to master myself about how to go inward and about how to deal with this flux of thoughts feelings and emotions that were coming at me all the time and the wonderful thing was when I began going to the Buddhist centre and I met this lovely group of people, they were really interested in the fact that I'd been out doing a bit of singing, sometimes just on my own doing wee Scottish songs or sometimes uh, with a, a few bands that were around, kind of folk bands. And uh, they offered me the opportunity to do a gig in the Buddhist centre, my first ever band that I'd pulled together with real live musicians that were very, you know, really good and really kind of experienced so they let me do a gig there and I was absolutely terrified and it was a really small room and everyone was sitting on the floor on cushions and really attentive and I tried to hide behind the, the music stand the whole night and this woman that I knew quite well said, you know, maybe it's really lovely but maybe you could step out from behind the stand and it was a really transformative moment for me because I thought, yeah, if I'm doing this, I really need to, I'm up front and centre, there's no hiding here. And so it was always about coming through these these different fears that we have when we're a singer and a person just standing up, standing out there in life and saying, this is me. So I realised also that 
in this moment. They were a kind and loving and supportive audience. They were there for me rather than there against me. Mm-hmm. So it was a really powerful night all in all all the, all these things came together I was singing in another language I was singing in Brazilian because wow. that was the kind of music I loved so it was it was uh and also you know people said it, I really felt like you knew what you were singing about and so I realized then you know that's about the intention although I didn't I spoke Spanish and French but I didn't I knew the meaning of the songs but I wasn't Brazilian I wasn't a speaker of, of Portuguese but but it was always going to be about what you put in and how you intend it to come out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was the kind of beginning times of, of getting through that fear. And But it also took me a long time to be kind to myself as a person. I had really uh, awful perfectionism and, uh, you know, I was really hard on myself. But the journey of mindfulness kind of helped me to manage that in my creative life you know to not after every gig to not pull it apart and to not judge myself to just go okay that happened and it's done and now we've got this to do today and we've got that to do the next day so it wasn't about going back over at all it was about trying to be present with what was happening here and now Mm -hmm. and I think it also helped give me presence as a performer and to just be me like I didn't have to be uh if I didn't want to throw my arms in the air and dance around if I just wanted to be still and sing like that then that was also okay so there was an acceptance that started to come of me just being me and that people began to like that and that I I began to grow in confidence through that but also I think the important thing is it's not always it's not about what other people think of you it's about what you think about yourself that really matters and being a performer puts you in that place of always observing that you know is it because the audience liked me or did I like what I was doing and you're always in this liking and disliking and I think the mindfulness helps you to just let a lot of that go and just go oh well it happened it was that Mm -hmm. Uh, so no big deal because I think as performers, we feel this big pressure and stress on ourselves, like this is a big deal, it's so important, but it's just another job, it's a day, it's, it's, exactly. just, it's just singing. <laughs> and you know what I love that you brought up there was talking about you being present for people? Mm-hmm. And it just really rang true with lots of things for me actually came flooding mm-hmm. into my mind because I thought about when me and my husband were first together, our favourite sort of our first favourite person that we loved listening to was Billy Bragg. And one time he was coming to Edinburgh and we, we lived actually in Perthshire at the time, but we went to Edinburgh for this gig. And I think we had seen him a couple of times, but anyway, this time we've gone to this gig in Edinburgh. And after that, we just went home and we never spoke about it, but we just stopped listening to him, right? And then when we did eventually think, why have we stopped listening to Billy Bragg? We were like, he was an asshole at that concert. What was that about? Right. But as you've said that, he was not present at that concert. As I think, Mm -hmm. I'm talking like 1997 or something. Mm -hmm. I'm talking a long time ago, right? And then you just think about the conversations you have with people, which I do a lot. And when people Mm -hmm. aren't present, when you're speaking to them, when they're away Mm -hmm. thinking about something else, Mm -hmm. that's really challenging, isn't it? And when you think about when you're speaking to your kids, if you're thinking about something else, if you're not present for your children. And it's just like that whole notion of being present. So does that come from your music or does that come from your mindfulness? 
that's such a good question because I think it actually comes from both Mm -hmm. you know when you're training as a musician one of the biggest skills is not just the voice and how it comes out but also listening listening to other musicians listening to the sounds that you're making and being really focused and and that brings you into a sense of presence and it brings you right into the body but I also I totally get what you mean when people you can see when somebody is going off and not listening to you and you also know when somebody's prepared their next sentence like it doesn't matter what you say you were talking about this just we were talking about this before it doesn't matter what you say they're already with their answer they, they want to jump in and be speaking so we all have a desire to communicate and that's really obvious but really being listened to or giving somebody that mindful presence of listening is just so powerful as a friend uh, in your work life and what you glean from that is is so much deeper than just chit chat you know, yes. and somebody talking now it's my turn and now it's my turn. And I think we've all been there in those kind of friendships or conversations that you have. But I think it comes from both for me that that you you develop an ability to listen inwardly to yourself, mm-hmm. but also you can give space to other people to to be heard yeah. and and to and to be interested in them as well. And and that's what I love about you know your interviews. You have a real interest in others. And I think in my work as well, I love working with singers. I love working with people who are struggling with their thoughts and their emotions. And that requires you to really be there and listen to them. Uh And sometimes before you give anyone a technique of anything, that can just be so welcome and it can be enough. Yeah, because you you spoke about a couple of things that I've written down as you've been speaking is Mm. about you moving through your life's fears and about Mm. taking Mm -hmm. the time to understand Mm. that you can be kind to yourself and working on that. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually, as you do it, as you're talking, I'm thinking, how present am I? I'm very present for these interviews, obviously, because Mm -hmm. I just listen. I don't have set questions. Mm -hmm. So I need to listen, which Mm -hmm. has double-edged because you feel listened to, but I also get out of my own head for a wee while and just listen Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. But actually, if we were to ask ourselves, how often are we present for ourselves? That is actually quite a big thing, isn't it? So I can be present for my husband or my children, and I try to Mm -hmm. be. Probably not as present as they sometimes want me to be, I'll admit, because I think we all struggle with it. Mm -hmm. But how present am I for myself to just listen to myself? That's an interesting thought, isn't it, Lynn? Mm -hmm. It is really interesting, and I think, you know, we can... In daily life, we can we can be very much like now I'm doing my work, now I'm doing my family, now I'm doing whatever else I do, and we can split it into I need to give time to this, I need to give time to that, and I need to give time to the next thing. But actually, I think it was John Kabat-Zinn who who gave me a deeper insight into this. He said, "Well, all of it is my time. So if I can be present while my children are speaking to me to the best of my ability, because we we can't always get it right. If I can be present for my work." then, you know, as I'm doing it, because I'm doing it a lot of hours of the day, can I be there, can I be present for it? And I am in my work. So that means also being present and aware of myself as I do it. So it's really about building that self-awareness so that we are not just waiting until that time when I've got a minute to myself Mm -hmm. uh, or that time at the weekend or when I'm on holiday and I can just be myself. We can be ourselves and be authentic and be uh, present for ourselves all day long 
all the time um, or as often as we can you know we can do that by tapping into mindfulness techniques and practices throughout the day just simply by coming into your breath or placing your hand on your heart when you're overwhelmed and taking four or five deep breaths and just landing back in your body and really you know mindfulness is all all we hear is mind thoughts thinking but actually it's it's really about being in the body and the body is where we can be more present because thoughts are out there we can't even see our thinking but we can feel our body we can really be in the body and so that's a great way even just feeling the feet on the floor and really just going where are my feet just now and where are my shoulders just now and just taking a moment to land back in your chair Mm -hmm. and that brings presence you know simple it's very simple it's not a big change it's just a simple thing of let me just sit and listen to my child I may not they just may be babbling something about the day and it doesn't even require an answer but I can just give 30 seconds where I'm not going up pulled but I've got this to do and you know that pull we feel that kind of always that inner struggle against what's happening in the present and that's where our difficulty lies if we're able to go okay this is what's happening so let me just try my best to be with it to be in that flow and I think that is what brings us more into the flow of life is that we're not resisting. Well, I've got stuff to do. So this is an intrusion on my time and instead change it into, well, this is what's actually happening right here and now. This is the only moment I have. So let me let it be part of my time uh-huh. to the best of our ability. You know, yeah. we're not we're not super. We're not robots. We're not superhuman. We can only do it in the best way we can. Yeah. You know? And I want to take you, I think I could be changing uh, pace on what we're talking about, but I want to take you back to something that you said earlier because it actually shocked me a wee bit. You said that you felt a lot of judgment around your voice. Now, Mm. I listen to your voice and I hear the most beautiful, relaxing voice. Mm. Now, with my voice, obviously I do a lot of talking. I'm used to hearing myself talk. You know, I've done, gosh, 150 radio shows, over 100 podcasts, as well as everything else that I speak on. But I feel judged by my voice quite a lot because yeah. of the way I sound in that sort of yeah. very west, west of Scotland, Glasgow voice, which yeah. I'm very proud of, so I don't change it. Yeah. But I get that people can sometimes, especially when I'm working a lot, maybe in different parts of the country and things, that people have a judgment on who I am based on how I speak. Yeah, so I was really, really, really shocked when you said that. And interestingly, as uh-huh. we're recording that, I've actually just been doing some voiceover work which I was really surprised mm-hmm. that I was even asked to do the voiceover mm-hmm. for an advert mm-hmm. because that's bizarre I didn't think that anybody mm-hmm. really liked my voice <laughs> so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a journey mm-hmm. isn't it so mm-hmm. how did you get over is my question to you how did you get over having that judgment about how you sounded which I can't believe I'm really quite shocked that anybody would judge your beautiful voice <laughs> well yeah I mean and, and the thing is you know having worked with loads and loads of singers but be the professional or your or just you know people that come to choir or do it for fun I see that fear in everyone that fear of being judged for their voice Mm. because it is the first one of the first when we emit sound we we are meeting the world with a very personal part of ourselves with our voice it's very private Um, and when we sing we are really saying here I am in our most vulnerable way and and so many people feel that way feel judged and know that they're being judged and maybe even at school I got told not to sing because I'd picked a harmony note I was five years old and she went around the entire class till she found the person and it was me and she told me to shut up and it's like well I rail against that my whole life you know even though I was really shy and being told to pipe down and children are seen and not heard and all this nonsense and it 
And although it was a struggle for me, I think the desire to be heard and to to know that what I had to say should be listened to sometimes, you know, pushed me to keep going. (laughs) But also working with other people who also were experiencing the same thing and me being able to bring in my singing techniques and voice techniques and mindfulness techniques helped me to really sort of build a a way of managing that, a way of going, okay, uh, here I am again in front of a group of people and I am the leader. I found myself in the position of, I am the leader. I've said I want to do this, now here I am. So you, you just pull up your bootstraps and you get on and do it and you move through the discomfort because the discomfort is actually short-lived mm-hmm. because what we think and feel about that is is what makes it worse and if we can move out of the thinking mind and into the feeling body and get comfortable with the oh my tummy's churning and my hands are sweaty that's real that's the moment so if we can learn to just go okay that's here and work with that then we can start to feel less judged or we we can start to care less that people are judging us because they'll still judge us and there's not a thing we can do about it. But we'll start to care less and we'll get our own stability about who we are, our own authenticity. This is me. This is how I sound. You can take it or leave it, but it's out there and I can let it go. Uh-huh. you know and that's it's a it's oh it's making my head tingle just even thinking about yeah. it it's a really powerful thing that empowerment of just being you and whether you're a singer or not just being you and feeling comfortable with that mm-hmm. and feeling okay with that and you know we, we're in a world full of people we we will we will also judge I judge people I hear people's voices and, and immediately get a picture of them I can't help it it's just my brain uh-huh. runs ahead of me and but it's often wrong when I get to know them exactly. more often than not you know and then we have this other we have our instincts and our gut feelings about people but I think it's a really important one and and singers can be really precious about their voice obviously we want to be perfect and we want to get it right but I sang a lot of jazz so there was even a pressure there to sort of open up and be even more free and more vulnerable and that was always putting me at my edge of oh can I do this or can I not and I think that is the true thing is that fear is always going to be there but if we just keep gently moving through it and seeing if we can touch the sides then you know we get stronger we build a resilience and we build this ability to just go well this this is it there is, there is nothing else. There's only this moment with me in it and here's what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, I can't, you know, I don't know about you. Do you go back and listen to your podcast and go back and sometimes maybe, but but actually sometimes it's, you know, you can't go back and re-listen to a live gig and then critique yourself. You've exactly. only got your memory of what happened uh, and your own feelings about it. But you're so right in what you're saying because I remember, you know, being with an audience and looking round, I always like to make eye contact. I'd look round at people and there was somebody sitting there with a face like this and I thought, oh my God, they hate me. And I kept finding this person's eyes and going, oh my God, they absolutely hate me while trying to sing and do this big complicated set of jazz music. And I had this overriding feeling like, oh my God, they're really not liking this. And it was beginning to affect me. I was letting it affect me. And I couldn't believe that after the gig, that very person came up to me and said, that was absolutely great. I loved it. Or whatever it was they said. Wow. And I was so shocked. I was absolutely astonished. And I just thought, that is so true, that that thing of you can't judge a book by its cover. You've got no idea what's going on in anyone else's mind. And actually, it's none of your business. The <laughs> business is of me trying to go, well, why am I letting this person's 
face affect me? Why yeah. am I letting their attitude affect me? And uh, we're human, we can't help it. But that's the work. The work is always back with me and how do I manage and do that. And, and that's been through a combination of lots of meditation and mindfulness techniques combined with using the voice and toning, chanting, warming up, warming up the body um, and getting into my body. And as I get into my body, I get into me. Uh-huh. And I get to know me better. So, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, lad. You're so welcome, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure as ever. Love to hear your chat, and I think you always have great questions. So, uh-huh. more power to you. Oh, thanks so much, lad. Hello, and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching Anne Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, annehughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.